I don't know what the deal was. Ronnie's super fixated on smells today, and I don't know what he left for me up here, but you can make fun of him later. So, <laughs> so there's actually, I, I read this somewhere, that there are two of the greatest fears that people have. Uh, number two is death and dying. That's, but the fear just above that is public speaking, meaning that at a funeral, people would rather be in the casket than given the eulogy. And I was thinking about public speaking, and I'm like, the only thing that could be, like, worse for somebody that is fearful of it, which I don't, it doesn't bother me that much, is having a group of high schoolers who have been awake all weekend who are probably going to fall asleep within the first five minutes of my talk. So if you guys could stay away from me, that would, I would appreciate it. Okay, Corbin, you got it? Thank you. <laughs> so last week I did something that I've never done before. I, I actually had zero plans to do it. I, I didn't think it'd be a big deal at all. But I would say over this past week, 90% or so of the comments I got revolved around this one thing, and it was, it was this. This. If I would have known it was this easy to get everybody's attention, <laughs> I'm telling you. But everybody made a comment about this portion of the message. Since I'm always trying to improve my communicating style, my ability to connect with people, I thought this week I'd try something different. Let's see if... This week we're in week four. <laughs> Just kidding. We are in week four of our series. This is the I Am series. And what we've been doing in the I Am series, we're not spending so much time talking about what Jesus did. Uh, we're not trying to learn more facts about Jesus. Most of us know plenty of facts about Jesus, whether, whether we've been a part of the church for any period of time or not. We know facts about Jesus. We're spending all of our time trying to figure out who Jesus is. Because knowing who Jesus is helps us know how to have relationship with him. And so like the writer of Hebrews tells us, we're, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we're doing that by looking at different I am statements that Jesus made about himself in the book of John. And we've, we've looked at I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life. And this morning, as Ronnie mentioned earlier, we're on I am the good shepherd. And so before we begin, before we jump in, I want to share a quick story with you. Ronnie and I... We both like to work out, and actually one of my favorite things about our friendship is the times that we get to work out together. It doesn't happen often, um, and it doesn't happen often for a number of reasons. One is he likes to work out early in the morning. I, I prefer to work out kind of middle of the day. Um, I actually care about health and fitness. Ronnie's trying to see if he can get his upper body so big that you don't notice his tiny legs. <laughs> it's, we, just, we just have different things that we're going for. It's fine. But one of, the, one of the bright spots about COVID and quarantine, if there were any, was that his gym, his gym closed down and the gym that I'm a part of, thankfully it's privately owned. And so they were able to put some protocols in place that kept us safe and we were able to keep our gym open. And so Ronnie joined the gym for a few months. And for, for those few months, we got to work out together a couple times a week. It was really an awesome time for me. But one downside to when Ronnie and I work out together, especially on bench days, is, is we're going we're gonna to put a little more on the bar than we probably need to or should. And, and so I have, I'll admit this, we're, we're always going back and forth. Ronnie can bench more than I can, as long as it's under three reps. Over three reps, he, he doesn't have the lung capacity for it. He just can't keep going. So, so whenever I'm spotting Ronnie, when we're benching and it starts to get heavy and I can, I can see it starting to slow down, I'll, I'll reach over and I'll, I'll get ready to spot him and he'll yell. Well, to, to tell the truth, he'll yell something that it's a phrase that we all have said at one point or another, I believe. It's a phrase that I also think to be one of the biggest roadblocks in us experiencing what it means to really have a relationship with Jesus. And he'll yell, I, I got this, I got this. And so I'll step back and let him struggle with that 135 for at least a few minutes. I mean, <laughs> I, think he, I think he'll get it up. Do you have a, 
If, if you don't lift weights, that's not very much weight. That's the joke, okay? That's the joke. Do you have an I got this story? Anyone who's humble enough to tell an I got this story will almost certainly end that story with, I didn't have it. I didn't have it, I, I broke. I, I didn't have it, I, I gave in. Or I didn't have it and I, I fell off the wagon. I didn't have it and she left me. I didn't have it and my kids, they, they don't speak to me anymore. I didn't have it. And why is that? Why is it so commonly the end to an I got this story is I, I didn't have it? It's because we don't have it. Uh, we, whatever this is, this, this strain in our relationships, in our marriages, you don't got it. The, the darkness that you keep falling back into, like we talked about last week, on your own, you, you don't got it. Uh, because you were never meant to have it. You and I, like, like sheep, we were meant to have a shepherd. But what happens when you remove the shepherd from your life? Uh, David, who read that scripture, Psalm 23, during our worship time, like when you remove the shepherd from your life, we, we're left to fear in darkness. We're left to fear the darkness of death. We're left paralyzed by the fear of evil. We're left alone in the presence of our enemies. You see, you don't, you don't got this. But if you don't got it, and, and I certainly don't have it, who, who's got it? Well, thankfully, we can be confident that we don't actually have to have it. We don't have to know exactly what to do in every situation. We don't have to be the ones to know the perfect next step every single time. We don't have to come up with the direction that we need to go every single time in our lives. And we can be confident because of what Jesus has to say about himself in today's text that we don't have to have it. And today we're going to be looking at John 10. Uh, if, you, if you've been around for this series, we've been kind of keeping track of the story, what's been going on. And John 10 is actually just one day after last week's text. Uh, he's still, Jesus is still in Jerusalem. He's still being grilled by the Pharisees. They're constantly coming after him, asking him questions. And this is just another portion of that same story. So we read in John 10, verses 10 through 15. The thief comes only to steal, kill, kill, kill. <laughs> that's hard to say. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So there's kind of this like top ten list of verses that you would see on a coffee mug, right? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, probably at some point in your life you've been given a, a bookmark. Maybe when you graduated high school or a coffee mug or something with one of these verses on it. You, you may not have known that they were a verse in the Bible. But one's like, hey, do not be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, 6. Uh, completely taken out of context verse that we all have is, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Uh, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm sure you've seen these verses somewhere. And no joke, I actually Googled top 10 verses to put on a coffee mug and there was an article with that exact title, which is hilarious. Strangely enough to me, John 10.10, 10, which we just read, was not on the list. I contend that that verse 
should be on the list. It should be on the forefront in everybody's mind who, who is a believer, who is a follower of Jesus. Because at some point, at some point in your journey as you walk with Jesus, you're going to have to reconcile this verse against moments in your life. Against situations in your life that, that don't seem to add up. You're going to have to wrestle with what Jesus says about himself. What we learn about him in this series. You're going to have to wrestle with who he is and what he's all about. And reconcile that with the fact that things are going on in your life that they don't add up. And this sentence, this sentence has served me so well over the years. I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So what's Jesus all about? Jesus is all about abundant life. And why does that sentence matter so much? It's because sometimes obedience is easy, right? Like we get a sense from God or, or we read something in Scripture and that next step, it's, a, it's an easy one for us to take. Like we, we know what we're supposed to do, and so we just take the step. But sometimes obedience is really stinking hard. Sometimes it's difficult. And this sentence is there. It's there to remind us that when that day comes, that we have to take a step that's difficult, that we don't really want to take, that we can be in full faith, that in full confidence that it will lead us towards abundance. Confidence that the good shepherd is leading us into abundant life and not away from it. So often that next step of obedience feels too difficult. And so we say what? We say, I got this. And choose not to follow the shepherd. Proverbs 14 says this, we're really quick to forget that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Probably never seen that one on a coffee mug, right? See, there's this way, way that seems right to man. You, you, you bet there is. But in the end, it leads to death. And that's why this whole I got this junk that we're trying to do, it, it never works out. See, this text that we just read is so rich with imagery and reality about what Jesus feels about us, what his concern for us is. But for some of us, it's going to grade against how we understand him to view us. If we're really honest with ourselves and with each other, most of us think that God just puts up with us. Man, that guy's annoying. Can't ever get anything right. But I made a promise. 2,000 years ago, it sounded like a good idea, but man, he is such a fool. Right? But that's not what we read in this text. If you, if you look back at verse 12, John 10, verse 12, it says this. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, there are some things in this verse there's some things that are almost too marvelous. That they're too mind-blowing to fully understand at first glance. See, Jesus is saying, I'm no, I'm no hired hand. It's with great personal care, great angst that I watch these sheep because they're mine. They're mine. So for those of us in the room, those of us watching online who are followers of Jesus, when he sees you, he sees something that belongs to him. He's not a hired hand. He's not watching over you because he's going to get some sort of paycheck for it in the end. He's not going to bail in the times of trouble. In fact, he states that as the wolf comes, he will, he will not flee. He will not abandon. He will stand in the gap for us. And the wolf here that we're, that we're looking at is not just some random difficulty that might come up. He's talking about our greatest enemy. The greatest enemy of our souls, which is evil and sin and darkness. And in the face of that evil, it's snarling 
bloody teeth evil. He does not flee because he's not a hired hand. You are his. My own know my voice. Three observations I'd like to make about the good shepherd and what he does for his own from, from this passage. First one is this. He lays down his life. When we think about the thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. He's saying that this thief, this wolf of sin and death really is our greatest enemy. And so when Jesus calls himself our good shepherd, he's saying, eternally speaking, I will defeat the enemy. I'll bust the teeth out of the mouth of the wolf. And although he may snarl and growl, his bite will never have victory over you. You are mine. And I will handle this once and for all. So this isn't every little ticky-tack little difficulty that may come up in your life. Although I think Jesus cares about that. This verse isn't a promise that you won't have difficulties. This is not the type of abundant life he's talking about. Uh, but rather, eternally speaking, you are secure with the good shepherd. This is, this is a text about the gospel. He's going to lay down his life to kill the wolf once and for all. And what we see here is Jesus foreshadowing the cross. And it's, in our, it's, it's our hope that every single week that this room is loaded with people who don't know Jesus. That people watching online, that there's thousands maybe who, who have yet to put their faith in Jesus and they're just trying to find out if they even really believe all this stuff that we're talking about. it. And so maybe, maybe you're here with us, maybe you're watching that you, you've seen a cross. Like obviously you've seen the jewelry or maybe you showed up at a Catholic wedding and you saw one hanging on the wall. But maybe you don't really know the meaning or the power of what took place on that cross for those who would choose to follow Jesus. And so I'm just going to take a moment and explain the cross for you. See, Jesus lives in perfect obedience to God's will. He's blameless. He's spotless. And although he was tempted just like you're tempted and just like I'm tempted, he is without sin. And so Jesus lives that perfect life and he chooses to die on the cross. Nobody kills Jesus. Jesus chooses to die on that cross. And on that cross, he absorbs all of God's wrath towards those who would make him the forgiver of sins and the leader of their lives. All of their sin, past, present, and future, fully absorbed by Jesus on the cross so that the follower of Jesus is now seen by God as spotless and blameless in his sight. This is a marvelous truth. Too amazing to get our minds around that when God sees us, that when God sees me, he sees me as blameless. That's crazy. It's crazy because I know I've got a laundry list of things from just this weekend. <laughs> just today, thoughts and actions and things that would make me unworthy. In fact, it would make me worthy of his wrath. But you know how God sees me right now. You know that when God looks upon me, he sees a blameless, spotless person. He sees the perfection of Jesus. Jesus' perfection imputed to me given to me for free, that's absolutely stunning. That's the type of exchange that doesn't make sense. We are his. He has laid down his life to vanquish the wolf once and for all. There are a couple ways that that idea of Jesus being our good shepherd and laying down his life can hit you. First one is this, no way, not me. I hear what you're saying, Matt, Say the good shepherd and all that, uh, but that's not for me. That, that can't be for me. 
And usually when people respond that way, it's because they feel that they've morally somehow outsinned the grace of God. They think that there's something that they've done or some sin they've committed or some darkness in their past, maybe some darkness that they're struggling with today that has excluded them from God's delight in them. That has excluded them from God looking upon them with the love that he truly has for them. And even though you might desire for this to be true, there it is. All that stuff, it just just lingers like a cloud behind you. This remembrance of former things or this or this remembrance of this thing that you struggle with right now. And all you can think is, if this is true, it's not true for me. God cannot possibly love someone like me. God God can't love someone who's sinned the way that I've sinned. He, He can't love somebody who's given themselves over to the things that I've given myself to. And even the follower of Jesus, and it's hard for us to live in the full acceptance of God's grace, but for the no way, not me crowd, God wants to argue with you. I don't want to argue with you. I wouldn't do that. Because God, he, he wants to argue with you. And he says this, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And for the no way, not me folks, I get it. This, this is an absolutely absurd exchange. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. See, God is in full acknowledgement of your sin. As we talked about last week, you haven't hidden anything from it. If you thought you had, you hadn't. He, he can see everything. Nothing is hidden from him. It's not like God is perusing the list of your past sins. It's like, oh, dang, didn't see that one. I can't unsee that, so disqualified. It doesn't happen. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I'm going to grant to you purity where there is no purity. You can fight God on this if you, if you want, if you so choose, but I'm telling you it's a ridiculous argument. I'll try and put it in a more modern day kind of a practical term for you. Let's say I want to give you a billion dollars. Would you say, oh, no, <laughs> I'm not even set up for that. That's crazy generous, but I can barely handle my 50K. And so I don't know what I would do with that. So thanks, but, but keep it. Now, bro, take the billion dollars and figure it out, right? <laughs> Just take it, figure it out. Take the forgiveness that's offered to you and, and then figure it out. Take the grace that is lavished upon you when you don't deserve it and then learn to walk in it. It's yours. It's right there for the taking. Just take it. If, if you're a no way, not me person, what you're really saying in some sort of absurd gesture of false understanding is, nah, I got this. I got this God thing figured out. In fact, I got it so figured out that I know what sins God can forgive and which ones he can. I got it. I know how much red is too red and I'm too red. I got this. And you don't. You don't got it. You're trying to elevate your understanding to a level higher than God. You're trying to elevate yourself higher than God, which makes you God and you're a terrible God. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. You can't outsend God's grace. Take the billion dollars. The second observation is this, he keeps us. There's actually a story in the book of Matthew where Jesus is trying to help us see a specific attribute of God and his character. Actually, ultimately an attribute of 
Jesus himself as, as our good shepherd, and we read that in Matthew 18. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for that one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. And so what is, what's portrayed in this two little verse story? The thing that jumped out to me this week is the sheep that wandered off is still a sheep. The sheep didn't leave the fold and then cease to be a sheep. Just like the no way, not me crowd can't outsend God's grace, you can't sin your way out of sheepiness. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, exactly, not a word. I was gonna say you can't outsin your way, it's whatever, but sheepiness, I thought it would stick a little bit better. So I just got done kind of railing on the no way, not me people in hopes that they would see that God's grace is sufficient. If it's sufficient to bring them into the fold, it's sufficient to keep you there. Whatever it is that you're running from or, or running to, it's been, it's been paid for. It's done. It's been, it's been paid for by the good shepherd who laid down his life to save you. So come back. Come back to the fold. And once a sheep of the shepherd, always a sheep of the shepherd. The, the second thing we see in this short little two-verse story is when the shepherd finds the sheep that had run away, he beats it with a stick. No, no. <laughs> that's what we expect, right? I mean, like, that's what we feel like as people who have walked away. Now the shepherd's happy. He is full of joy. In, in another kind of lost sheep type of story, the prodigal son, when, when the son decides to come home, the father runs to meet him with joy. When the shepherd finds the lost sheep, he is filled with joy because left on their own, Sheep are fragile and they're vulnerable to attack. And so left on your own, you're fragile and vulnerable to attack. If you've been avoiding turning back to God out of fear that he may not want you back, you have to know he will never stop pursuing you. He will never stop chasing after you. He has loved you, he loves you, and he will always love you. Once a sheep of the shepherd always a sheep of the shepherd. The third observation from this text is he leads us. John 10, 3 and 4 says this. It says that right there. He calls us his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Sheep are dumb. I, well, I don't own any sheep. I've read that sheep are dumb. In fact, if you've been a part of the church for any period of time and you've heard a, a message on this, this passage, you've probably heard the, the preacher talk about how dumb sheep are, which is fun. It's funny to talk about how dumb sheep are. I just wanted to focus more on how loving the shepherd is. But, but sheep are dumb animals. They, they have extremely poor eyesight, seemingly no sense of direction. And so without being led, they'll die. They'll stay in a pasture and eat until all the grass is grown, until they die. They need to be led. In fact, I, I didn't realize this either until I was studying for this, this week, but sheep can't be, uh, they can't be driven. Like you can't stand behind a group of sheep and scream and yell and beat them with a stick and try and get them to move. They won't move. I, I was watching a, a video this past week. They were showing this example of 
a group of people would stand kind of outside this group of sheep and they would yell and scream and try and make enough noise to, to get the sheep's attention and the sheep wouldn't even lift their head from the grass. And then the shepherd walks on the scene, says one word, and every sheep lifts their head. And then he starts walking through the herd. And as he's walking through the herd, they just file in behind and follow every step he takes. It's really fascinating. You should Google it when you get home. But this idea of sheep can't be driven, they need to be led, it kind of it sparked a thought in me that I just put in my notes and I thought I'd share with you because it meant something to me. Religion drives, relationship leads. And so for me, like this idea of religion, it's, it's constantly beating us into submission, right? Like here are the rules, do the rules, you broke the rules, now do this to fix it. You broke the rules, now do it, you got, it's over and being driven and driven and driven just to try and get you to move. And then you think about what it means for Jesus to be our shepherd who lovingly leads us away from harm. Who says, hey, I, I know you messed up, would you? Would you follow me this way? Or, hey, I, I think you're about to run into to danger. If you go that way, it's going to hurt. Would you, would you come with me this way? And he leads to abundant life. So here's my question for you. Are you, are you one of his sheep? And if not, if you, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, if you're not one of his sheep, I, my, my biggest question is, well, what's stopping you? I don't know that that question gets asked enough. Like, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus then, and you're here with us, then I think on some level you've at least wrestled with the thought. And, and so ask the next question. What, what's stopping me? And I'm sure you've got stuff, right? I, I'm sure you've got reasons. But hopefully for you today, if one of those reasons is that you didn't think you were good enough, if one of those reasons was you've lived in too much darkness, hopefully you've seen that just simply isn't true. You can't outsend God's grace. We said it this way last week, there's no darkness too dark for him to shine light. There's no scarlet too red for him to make white again. So take the billion dollars. Take the grace. Let it wash over you this morning. It's sitting right there for you. And in just three minutes and 30 seconds, <laughs> I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to help walk you through what it means to put your faith in Jesus. Second question is this, are you living as a shepherdless sheep? If you are, I'm not, I'm not going to do what we normally do, our, our major practical next steps that we try and give on a week in, week out basis where I, I lay some things out for you and then ask you, hey, which one of these do you need to do to follow Jesus? Today I'm going to say this. Where has the shepherd led that you've chosen not to follow? It might be an unfair assumption, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but my guess would be that if, if you're not currently within the fold, if you're not currently following Jesus and you are a sheep, it's, it's, it's probably because he wanted to lead you somewhere that you didn't want to go. That somewhere down the line, if you, can, if you can go back that far, that there was a decision that needed to be made and you knew you, God wanted you to go this way, but you wanted to go this way, and so you took that step. And then you took the next step. And before you know it, you can't even see the flock anymore. So where was that time for you? That's the follow-up question for you. Like, 
I believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's just something that we believe. And so if he's speaking to you about a time that you chose to go one way when he wanted you to go the other, dive into that a little bit. Identify that. Ask for forgiveness for that and come back. If he has led you away at one point and you said, no, nah, I got this. I'll just, I'll just head this way. But how's that working for you? You feeling vulnerable? Here's the beautiful thing for you. Once a sheep of the shepherd, always a sheep of the shepherd. He's coming for you. Will you follow the good shepherd today? So for those of us here watching online, I, I want you to know that I just spent 35 minutes uh, talking to those who don't know Jesus. If you, if you do know Jesus, man, I, I hope that the Holy Spirit stirred something up in you and stirred affections for Jesus and, and gave you something that you can take out of here and actually try and follow him better. But if you don't know Jesus, man, this 35 minutes was for you. I, I wanted you to hear what it meant that the God of the universe came down when he didn't have to. That he chose to die on a cross when he didn't have to. And that all the grace that you need to live a life abundantly with him is available right in front of you. That I, I spent 35 minutes convincing you to take the billion dollars. I, sh I hope that you heard that. And so this morning, it's my hope. It's my hope that you would step into a relationship with Jesus. That, that you would experience the grace that, that we were talking about, this ex insane exchange between what you deserve and what is available to you. The wrath that you deserve and the blamelessness that you can just take, it's just right there. I'm going to pray for us, and when I do, I'm going I'm to give you some words to say. You, you may not know exactly what to say, but I'm going to pray, and you can pray them with me. Would you all pray? You say it like this, Jesus, I understand that I'm broken, that I have walked in darkness. Would you be the forgiver of my sins? Would you, would you come and wash me clean? And then Jesus, would you lead me? I don't want to have this anymore. I, I, I want to hand it to you. Would you lead me from this day forward? Father God, I thank you for the way that you teach, for the way that your word examines and speaks into the hearts of those that know you, that follow you. And I pray that you did that this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you moved in the hearts of people in this room and watching online that they might step out to follow you more in their lives this week. We're so grateful for the free gift of grace and what it means to us. And, and I pray that we would understand it and experience more in our lives. Father, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.